I always thank the choir for singing at both the services. That's why we let them out now, okay, if you don't know that. Uh, also, today I'm going to introduce a, a sermon series uh, for you who have been with us before and know that I hike the trail, usually in the spring, maybe in the summer. And after I get back, I work on a sermon series. Uh, I usually call it Lessons from the Trail. That's the beginning today. Uh, my walk was in July. Uh, I told you a couple of weeks ago I got back early because I fell and cracked a rib, and I still have a pain in my side. But it's getting better, okay? It's getting better. And I did learn some lessons other than try not to fall that way. I have some other lessons I learned, too. And hopefully over the next few weeks, there's something that you can connect with. I, I told some people, what I try to do is to tell you experiences. The most important, it connects to our faith and the scriptures, that I learned something and I want you to be able to learn it along with me. You remember back in your faith, maybe it was a beginning moment. Maybe it was uh, one of those high moments, baptism, uh, maybe a, a special time in your life when you experienced Jesus' love so close to you, uh, it had never been better. And just say it that way. You know, some moment when you knew his love for you was real and all the stories the preacher had talked about or someone else had told you about, you knew they were true because you knew it for yourself. Isn't that a wonderful moment? It's one of those moments in your life you wonder, can it ever get better than this? And, of course, one of the worries may be, will it always be this good? Uh, am I always going to be that close? Is it going to always feel that real to me? And we know that life has ups and downs. The journey of faith is not a straight path we'll ever take, but it is a journey. And it's something that God teaches us to do. And we're learning about the journey on this series. Uh, can you ever relate to the story of the text? Uh, when a mom comes up to Jesus and says, uh, I got this uh, request of you. I want you to put my two sons at your right and left. I'm not picking which side. You can do that. Uh, in your kingdom, would you do that for me? And it's sort of like saying, before the game is ever played, who won? You know, go ahead now. And I think there was a smile across Jesus' face. And not because of the brassness of the mother, but because she had gotten to the very core of something important. I like the story because I see in it that Jesus can work with someone just like me. Sometimes I'm too self-centered uh, sometimes I think more about me and I miss what else he's trying to do. And the answer is yes, he can work with people just like us to teach us, to help us to grow in our faith. But Jesus wants to say to them, be careful. Are you sure about what you're asking for? I mean, it seems that those two brothers are really asking for a place of privilege that is give it to us now and the end will take our position. Just let us know we have it. And Jesus saying, no, it's not a prize that's given to you. It is a response to what you have done. It's letting you know that what you've done brings you to that place, sitting at my right and sitting at my left, because you've already seen what this kingdom is going to be like and what it is. It is a place not just of honor, but a place that's packed with service. Now, I look at the story and find out when Jesus is talking to them that, it, that we, our context, our setting, we often think the Christian life is, in our society, always about free will. We choose to follow him. 
And that's true. I mean, you, you choose to or you choose not to, and we're all sitting here because we choose to come. Now, I discount the fact that there's some children that say, they didn't ask me, they told me. Okay, that's all right. I'm glad they told you. And you're sitting here because they told you to be here. I want someday to come when you're sitting here because no one told you. But because your own heart let you know that's where you wanted to be. That's a wonderful moment in life. You can arrive at a faith journey that says, I want to. But Jesus says, they've really opened a question in the story. Is it really about simply getting what you want at the end? Or is it about something God is doing until the end? And that's where we are today. The place where we're sitting, what's happening now. Is it about what I want to do? Because Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. You don't know what it's about. Can you suffer like I'm going to suffer? And they said, oh, yes, Lord, we can do it. We are able. And you go, they don't know what they're talking about, do they? They are so in the dark at the moment. They just have this idea of a neon flashing light that says we are number one and we are number two, having no idea what it means. He's trying to get them to understand what it means. What is this Christian journey? What I like about hiking on the trail is it's a defined path to take. If you'll just follow the rules, I mean, follow the markings, you don't get lost. Now, a different part of this section of the trail in New Hampshire, unlike any other state I've seen so far, is they have local names for the trail. I don't mean for the whole length of it, but it changes names along the way. For instance, one of them was called the Glencliff Trail, which was just a little town that you'll walk past. And there's no marker saying also the Appalachian Trail. You need to have a map to tell you that you're on the same trail, even though the names are changing all along. But we have to stay on that journey of faith. If I get off the trail, that is the right one, then I'll never end up where I expected. The same is true of our faith as Christians. He's always trying to keep us on the the trail, that is the path, He's laying out for you and me a journey that we're taking. We each have many similar parts to it, and yet it's our own personal journey that Christ is trying to take us. He reminds us it's not just about what you want to do, it's about what you will do. That is, if you're going to be his follower, there are parts of life that will be similar to us, whether we choose it and want it or not, it will come to us. And out of that, we begin to understand God has a plan for us, even though there's reluctance and there's always a challenge. Robin Williams, who's sometimes one of my favorite actors, uh, he uh, portrayed a genie in a movie. In that movie, he said, I have, can grant you three wishes, except these can't be them. One is you can't wish for more wishes. You can't wish uh, for someone else to die. And you cannot wish for someone to fall in love with you. There are limits to our doing or our asking. Reminding us that God has things he wants of us and that those things he wants sometimes cost us a price. How do we fill in? How do we do what he wants? How do we accomplish what he desires? He calls us to what sometimes is a hard work just the way he did his disciples. Jesus kind of had a strategy going with his disciples on how they're going to learn. Teachers, listen now. This is a strategy. Start with, he said, just come follow me. So the first part of their ministry, all they had to do was to get up in the day, 
go wherever he went, sit down wherever he sat, listen to whatever he taught, watch the crowds around him. That's all they had to do. A good starting point. Then after a while, as that ministry was rolling, Jesus gave them a new task. Now there are all these people here to be fed. Go and find something to feed them with. They show back up with five loaves and two fish. One little boy had as a lunch. And Jesus blessed it and multiplied it and said, Hey, you take it and spread it out to feed all the crowd, the 5,000 plus women and children. So now it becomes a task not only to listen, but they begin to do. Went real well. One setting, it's a little more on their part to do when Jesus is off praying and people are coming to try to find him. They find the disciples and they begin to tell them their problem and the disciples try to help. There's one child that needs to be healed and the best of their ability, they just cannot pull it off. And Jesus shows back up. Here's the story. Here's about their failure. Jesus says to them, well, you know, this kind can only be healed, can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. And Jesus is able to accomplish what they could not. Now, is that failure on their part? I think it's learning myself. I think it's teaching. Sometimes we reach a little farther than we know how, and we pull back a little till we learn a little more. That's not bad. It's teaching. He's learning. They're learning how to do it. There comes a point when Jesus sends them out two by two, said, take nothing extra with you. Go this town over here, that town over there. You teach them about the kingdom of God. and Whatever they need, you provide it. You, you do what I've done, is what he's saying. And, and he just, I think he was an anxious man waiting there, see how his disciples did. I bet he did a lot of praying for them, you know that? But he sat there and thought, oh, it's exciting. They're off for the first time in their new church on that Sunday morning. They don't know a soul of what's going to happen. They've never done this before, but they're about to learn. I think it was exciting as he sent them off, and they came back later to tell of all that God was able to do through that ministry time, and they were excited about it. What a way of learning. Didn't stop there. They might would rather it had, because then it came time that Jesus knew he wouldn't be with them anymore. He taught them about, you're going to have a ministry after this. You're still going to be my church, and the Holy Spirit is going to be there with you, but I'm not going to be, and you're going to be all right. But you've got to trust me on this one. And sure enough, after they got through the crucifixion and they heard about the resurrection, they came back to the new ministry. And we're in it here right now. Quite a teaching method, isn't it? So many ways we go about learning, and Jesus wanted them to learn. Today I titled the sermon, Better on the Third Day, because I want you to understand that God equips us as we mature in our journey. This is my first slide. Is going to show you the uh, elevation chart where I started. Now, it's in thousands of feet, in case you're wondering about it and can't read it. And that's the first three days walking. Uh, it isn't very high. Now, I'll remind you that here we start at 15 feet above sea level. That's where you're sitting right now. And, and there you're walking starting at about 1,500 feet. Uh, most of that three-day journey was about 2,000 feet or less. Uh, one place got to 3,000, a little over, and it was the easy part, okay? So there I walked for two of the days, uh, three of the days, and, uh, and it was hard. I remember the, you can take that one off, don't put the next one up yet. Oh, there's the next one. Then it got harder, okay? This is day four and five, and the climbing got steeper, and the highs got higher. The lows did not get as low, and I'm glad of that but it got more difficult. 
I'll tell you the truth, I could never have done what you see on the second day had I not already walked the first day. If that first chart had not been covered, there's no way I could have walked what was on the second chart. And I'll tell you why. You can take that one off, okay? Because when you are uh, walking on the trail, you are not in the best of condition when you go out there. Now, there are two adjustments that have to happen. First of all, when you're living at 15 feet above sea level and you walk to 2,000 feet, the air is just a tad thinner and you are not used to it. That's the big part. You're not used to it. So you start walking and thinking, oh, this is not bad. This is the easy part of the trail. And about a quarter mile down, you stop going, where's the air anyway? Where, where's the oxygen here? Because there's just not enough of it. And you stop and you breathe and breathe and breathe and try to get it built back up into your system. And then you start walking some more and it's easy. And there's this 18-year-old runner who comes past you. And it did happen. It happened. Come running past me with their dog. I'm going, how did you do that? You know, it's because I live up here and I run the trail with my dog all the time. And I'm still trying just to breathe. That's the start. Takes Three to four days to adjust physically to the, to the air in you, the oxygen the air. That's not the only thing, because as you're walking, the other part you learn is as much as you may practice here on flat land, getting ready for it, you do not have what they call mountain legs. That is, and this is, this is my description of it, you'll know you have it because when you have them, it makes no difference to you whether you're going uphill or downhill. Can you imagine that part? From a flatlander's perspective, you say no. You get up there, you understand it. Once you stay there, it takes anywhere from one to two weeks to get those legs, five weeks to get maximum fitness, and when you do, you can go anywhere. I watch these people just zoom past me. Uh, I was embarrassed when Peppy and Cowboy passed me. Uh, Cowgirl, I mean. Cowgirl, uh, she's a retired Marine, which is good. Peppy is her dog, and they beat me. I mean, they really did. I never did catch back up with Peppy. He was faster than I was, and Peppy was only about a 12-pound dog. He was not a big one, but they could outdo me because my legs were not ready yet. It would take three to four days, a lot of struggle. I remember waking up on the third day, and finally it didn't hurt to walk uphill. I didn't dread the next elevation Because somewhere between day one and day three, I began to get in condition. I believe that's about our journey too. God does not ask us to do what he'll want to at the end of our life at the beginning. He also doesn't want us to stay in the routine and regiment that was the beginning of our faith only when we need to grow to face the challenges that are in our future. That's as children, as youth, and adults. And the way we grow in that challenge is it's really simple things. To me, the, the mountain part is breathing air and taking steps and letting the distance and the time help your body to acclimate. For us, it's as simple as you stay a person who prays. I don't mean just every once in a while, but you do prayer and you pray daily. You pray in the morning. You, you, you let it become a part of who you are. You let reading the scripture become something you want to do and you learn from it. You don't wait for the preacher to read it or a Sunday school teacher to teach it. You want to learn it because in it is something important on how you're going to live your faith. You find ways to 
to share your Christian faith with others by caring and action, by being in worship, by doing things that will help you to grow strong so that when you face challenges, you are ready for them. That's what our faith does. We find that God equips us in ways, if we pay attention, that we can face the most difficult things, not because we run up to them and want to do them, but because he's prepared us for it. That's the kind of journey God gives. Now, the good news also is that we aren't doing this alone, and we don't want to have to do it alone. I often hear about uh, Southern hospitality. as a term that we like to use, thinking that you know, people who live down south are, are better at greeting you. They're more kind to you. They are, they'll talk to you as a stranger, all those kinds of things, and, and they're more generous. Now, I haven't lived everywhere, and, and some of you may say that's true, but I'm going to give you a testimony to northern hospitality. Because as I walked in this section of the trail, this time only 70 miles worth in New Hampshire, there were some great acts of hospitality. Uh, on the trail, we often speak of those people as trail angels. They're folks who simply do random acts of kindness for strangers, and, and it makes a difference. For instance, I'm going to give you a, a list of them. The day I started, I had to wait for Ace Hardware to open so I could get some fuel for my tank. You can't ship that with you when you fly on an airplane. And I saw the uh, manager showing up early in the back door, and I corralled him, and he let me in 30 minutes early, even though it wasn't open and I was able to purchase it. So I think he was my first one. I was uh, walking the second day, and about to go up a, a mountain that was going to be the hardest one of the day and across a little bitty gravel road. I mean, it was just a small thing. And, and when I got there, I looked across the road and there was a couple with their pickup truck. And they had it, the gate down, they had on it a big cooler full of water and they had hot dogs that they were cooking. And they were offering it to every one of the hikers who went by. I didn't know there was a hiker in two or three miles of me and there were eight of them standing at the truck. They can sense food anywhere. They can find food, you know. They didn't have a lot of odor, but they found the food. They were hanging around just talking about it and eating up every hot dog the man had. And they would go on home. A day later, I was out. The last day before I'd get my next resupply, I sent to myself. My food had run a little short. Didn't have much to eat for lunchtime. Still had some of those dehydrated things for supper if I had to use them. And, and I uh, had an older couple coming toward me. We stopped. Had some conversation. I learned they stopped at the, started the previous road. Their car was parked there. So I simply asked, is there any place to eat nearby? I said, because you know, I don't know what's there, and I'm a little low on food. And Lisa, said, you don't have any food? I said, no, I have some food, but, but I'd like to stop and get some. Like, we have some. We just ate our lunch. We each have a half of a hoagie sandwich that we'd be glad to give you. It's a boar's head hoagie sandwich. I smiled. And I said, yes, I'd be glad to take it. He said, would you like mine? Yes, I'd like yours too. And I sat there and I, I, I thanked them. I told them blessings on them. I had a blessing right there and I ate both halves right there. My energy level was gone and I was so thankful for everything they gave me. It was well worth it. There are people out there and they brought it to me on the trail. Can you beat that one? That is pretty good. Now, my favorite one is the ice cream man. Next path. This man lives 100 feet off the trail. His name is Bill Ackerley. 
And he uh, is known as the ice cream man because uh, what he does is any hiker that comes by, he has this sign on the trail, comes by his house, he will give you a free ice cream. You can also get water and you can leave your trash there. Those are actually all important to a hiker. And I want you to know, an ice cream bar is good at 9 o'clock in the morning. I recommend it. When you're at 9 a.m., it was good. In fact, it was so good, there were a dozen other hikers there having it with me at 9 o'clock in the morning. Everybody showed up to the ice cream man. I had to talk to him a little while and ask Bill about himself and learn he is a retired physician. His uh, children had both hiked the trail, and they encouraged Dad, who didn't quite know what to do in his retirement. Dad, why don't you help them out? And he came up with the idea himself. So every morning, early, he goes out on his front porch and sits, has a cooler, and gives out ice cream to every hiker, listens to their story, and talks with you. There are really some good people out there that share life with you if you let them. And I believe that God has others in mind along the way. And I'll share some others later in the series who go along the same way with us. But how do you make the journey as a Christian? You know, if you think about the mountain range and you try out, and you know that there's not much flat space in it, you're always going up. Sometimes it's level, not usually very long, and then it's back down again. You kind of hate to give away the downhill grade because you know it's going to go back up, you know, but listen, that's the way the trail goes. If you're going to walk it, you walk up and you walk down. If it's rocky, smooth, wet, whatever it happens to be, that's where you are. That's really what the faith is about. It's not a pick and choose thing. If you're going to be a part of the journey, you be a part of it. If you want to enjoy it, stay on it. If you want to get good at it, stay at it. If you want to share it, give all of your effort to it. And God can bless and use it. Now, the last picture I want to show you is I reached the top of Mount Musalak, 4,802 feet, just to prove I got there. There's the sign, okay? I made it up there. That's me in the picture. Someone else used my cell phone to take the picture for me. And there were about a dozen people up there at the same time. You'd say, on that one mountain, up and down, across it's nine miles. Um, takes a lot of effort to get there. You won't see this view unless you give the effort. I think that's true of the Christian faith. If we don't give the effort, we'll never see the best views it has to offer. And Jesus is calling us all the time to the best. He wants us to give more than we think we can because it's there. The kingdom is worth every step of the way, even when it gets difficult. And it does, far more than we would want to know at the beginning. But I would say it's worth all of it in the journey. When you go to a, um, a store shopping, usually we're going to ask a clerk, a clerk may ask you, uh, may I help you? And you know, if you can't, answer reasonably what you want, then there's nothing that clerk can do for you. Jesus always asking us, how can I help you? And we need to know that he has something in mind on how to help us. Same is true when you take a car to get it fixed. You know, you can say to the mechanic, well, I, I, don't, I don't know what the problem is. I can just tell you what's not working on it. 
from the point it may not start to it runs ragged or it pulls left or right or I don't understand this but it's not behaving and from that idea the mechanic begins to work on a fix. I believe God is ready to fix us as only he can. I don't know what we've done to get in the state we often are except somewhere along the way we've taken a detour. We've missed the path or somewhere along the way it's gotten more difficult than we thought we could stand. And we've missed the encouragement of others or the help they can offer because God will not send us where he will not go with us. He will always be there. And he'll always send his people to help us as well. And sometimes we are those people there to help the others in their struggles because we too understand what it's like. What condition are you in for doing what God asks of you? That's a pretty big question. What condition are you in spiritually and mentally, physically, your heart? Where's it at? Your compassion level for others, where's it at? The willingness to carve out time for what God may want of you instead of filling up every moment of every day with all you can pack of your own interest, where are you at? That God can use you. Because he has a plan. It's like a trail. It leads somewhere. He invites you to stay on it. He'll mark it well enough that you shouldn't get lost, even though at times we'll stray away. But with help, we'll find it again. Where are you in God's sending? The greatest views are found where you see him at work, and it's there for all of us. Would you pray with me? Now, Father, you know where our hearts are and our struggles have been. You know whether we have practiced with patience following you, our endurance level for the struggles that life are to hold, the life you want for us, the one of service, compassion, and caring that will make for a better world in which we all can live. We ask, Lord, you to equip us, help us through all the effort it's going to take to get there, to know that we're not alone in the journey, and to know that you will never leave us. In that, Lord, we find our greatest joy. And yes, Lord, the view is the best. Open our hearts to that journey, we pray in Christ. Amen.